Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie. Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. Fucking Nick Cannon. Yeah. Nick Cannon who keeps having kids. You know, I think he... Seriously, someone needs to... You know how they take cats and they like snip their ear when they someone needs to like just kind of drug him one night and like give him a vasectomy, put him back in his bed with just a little clip on his ear so people know that he's I mean, he acts like he doesn't know how it happens. He acts to put him. He had four kids to three women last year. Who does that? That's like that's like something people around like Tree. Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> I love you trying who, to explain uh, failed biology. They don't know how it happened. Every time he takes his pants off, his the girl gets pregnant. The first thing I think, I mean, because they're not all different women. Like he just had a baby a month ago, and he found out that he's pregnant with this woman. Like he got this woman, this other woman pregnant, and she had his twins last year, and was one of the the three women that had all the babies. So if you are having a twins with him and then you find out that he's gotten two other girls pregnant after you, why would you why would you get together with him and have another baby? I feel like maybe these women have low self-esteem and I want to help that them or because Nick, I don't know why they would do it. Either that or Nick Cannon is fire in the sheets. I thought that too. I mean, I did discuss with Mr. Keith that maybe he's just really gifted and... <laughs> Is Cannon his real name, or is it one that he was? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's that's one that they gave him. Well, you yeah. know that shoe and does kind of fit. Maybe uh-huh. he's got skills. We don't know. He has a harem mentality, and the mm-hmm. girls who are all attached to this are fine with it. Possible. I mean, it's it actually not, makes a lot of sense if you think about it. Yeah. And I think Elon Musk has had like nine kids or something. Something like that, eight or nine. Yeah, yeah. and his dad has had like eight or nine. Well, you too. know, some men, and I was thinking about this. I, I remember reading something when I was taking anthropology class about men feeling like their value increases every time they're able to father a child, you know, because their seed is strong. <sighs> <laughs> Nick Cannon has two sets of twins, so I think his is pretty strong. See? So maybe, you know, that's part of it. It must be because it value. Like bounds through every barrier, every kind of birth <laughs> control. He's like, I can't help it. Nothing I do work. No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't say that. <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute. I, th- I just thought he had an aversion to condoms. Unless he's trying to do it on purpose. He might. Nobody accidentally has 10 kids. That's like, could Superman wear a condom or would his sperm just go boom right through ah. the tip of that thing? Like like the way he breaks through 
That's what I'm you talking know about. what, Pat? I think you you're, be a lead common you're totally onto something right there. I think that whole debate was in some of the, like the old underground. It is a very long going oh, debate. Oh man! <laughs> See, I thought it was really super. So I don't read comics, so dang it, that that would make a great book. Superman's seed can't be contained. Somewhere there's probably a, you know, a, a Superman movie parody in the porn industry that centers on that very fact. Google oh, that, sure. Pat. Come on, I dare you. <laughs> You're searching. Your algorithms are going to be, gonna be real weird. <laughs> Oops, there she goes. She's going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> nothing, nothing, really nothing breaks through Star Trek on my search. <laughs> That's still all it ever shows me. <laughs> I looked up chocolate penis once for this show for the website, and I can't tell you how many weird phallic-shaped chocolates I still get ads for. Well, <laughs> chocolate penis and the beavers, the cream-filled oh, beavers. the cream-filled beavers, And yeah. now, like, every kind of erotic candy shows up on my, on my search. Like, it's just like, hey, remember that time when you really wanted chocolate penises and, like, cream-filled snatch? Like, remember that? Um, <laughs> here's some more. <laughs> Uh, without actually clicking on them yeah if you google superman themed porn movie you get yeah Dal free superman the movie porn 2022 parody movie superman triple x and etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, there's just a list that goes okay. on and on you're yeah. done now <laughs> <laughs> we need you to report back on how fucked your algorithm has now been due to the <laughs> superman penis debate yup like the other day, I had a sex toy ad pop up on my Facebook. Oh, now, granted, I I have Googled sex toys, especially like when we talk about stuff on here. Tracy's dog. But uh, I've never had them pop up on my Facebook. And it's been months since I've Googled anything like that. And I had this like weird pink thing. And I was like, is that a flower? What the, what the oh, fuck is that? So I clicked on it. She sent it to me. It's for your flower. <laughs> It, and it it's is. like one of those little electron or little uh, battery operated tongues is what it is. But it I looks was... like a fl it looks like a little, you know, those um, stress reliever toys that you would squeeze and the head would. That's mm -hmm. what it looks like. It's like this little pink thing. And but it looks like a tulip, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. She sent me a, she sent me a copy of it. And I'm like, what the hell is that even? Yeah, she yeah, said it's, it's really a, weird. It's a tongue. I'm like, it, I, even if you tilt your head, that doesn't look like a tongue. Yeah. Well, when you watch the video, but what it looks if you like actually... is not its main concern. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah, that's true. As long as it works, I guess. So, does it look like it might work, Vonnie? I mean, it looked like it would work, all right. But I mean, it would be awkward to hold. If you were by yourself, I think maybe that might be a toy to use with a friend. You'd have to hold it like a can of beer because it's thick and, and bulbous. <laughs> <laughs> bulbous. Isn't bulbous is almost as good a word as moist. <laughs> How about bulbous like and moist? Dinosaurs and bulbous. No, not moist. <laughs> Well, you already started oh, off the day dissing candy corn, so I kind of feel when? like. Oh wait, that wasn't you. That's right. Never mind. <laughs> no, that was that was, that was Phyllis. punishing me Phyllis. for no reason. It's because I automatically associate candy corn hate with you. 
There's a very good reason for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I am kind of in mood for some now. Thanks, Phyllis. I did say, I, I did say under her comment, I said, um, they're equally horrendous. Black licorice and candy corn. They're equally yuck. No, they are not. Black licorice mm. is actually very good for you. Unless, of course, you well, have a heart I'll condition. Never know. If you have a heart condition, you could actually die from eating too much black licorice. I like black licorice, but only in small quantities. I don't want very much of it. It acts as a... It makes you appreciate all the other jelly bean flavors so much more. No. Oh, right? No, it, 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 <laughs> it assists with the movement... That's what of, I thought you were saying. Of my, natu- word, like, of my body's a natural. A laxative? So it's a natural yeah. laxative? Yes. It, well, for me it is. I don't know if it is for everybody. So it makes you have to poo? Well, I was trying to be delicate. God. <laughs> well, you know, everybody has that one food. For me, She's it's a... popcorn. If I eat popcorn, it makes me have to poo for some really? reason. Yeah, She's a delicate fucking flower. God damn, I'm right I am. Me. No. I was trying to be delicate over here. Trying to change my oh. ways and not come right out I and was say, like, it makes God, me poop. God, Keith, thanks a lot. You are not a delicate <laughs> flower, Bonnie. Sorry. I don't, I think it's a prerequisite. Looking up tongues on the internet, whatever. I think it's a prerequisite that you can't be a delicate flower and be on this program. <laughs> I mean, you can be. You wouldn't be survive very really long. embarrassed. You'd be redder than Megan all the time. Yeah, but, uh-huh. she's uh, she she's she likes to pretend she's a delicate flower. She blushes in all the right places, but we know how she reads. <laughs> she's all not. the right places. She's a closet perv. She, she is. She's a That's why perv. she likes hanging around with us all the time. How else? How would she be able to survive it? I mean, we're terrible. Mm. In a good way, of course. <laughs> well, yeah. I love that evil laugh, Keith. It's like the best. <laughs> okay, so we're almost at the end of August, which means that we are very close to our next live event, which is happening September 24th at Full Circle Bookstore in Oklahoma City. And Pat's going to be here. I'm so excited. Hi, Yay. I leave now. I can be there by the end of September. <laughs> if you start on foot right now, Pat, I think you could just yeah. make it. <laughs> and Pat, the weekend that you're going to be here, the fair's going to be in town. So if that's something we could do if you wanted there's, to. There's just all kinds of stuff, especially now that, like, you shared that list of of food from. I have to admit, I'm curious about stuff like alligator corn dogs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, d- well, don't forget the snake bite nachos. They're also yeah. made with snake, have some snake meat. Yeah. Rattlesnake and some alligator at the state fair because that's where you go to eat that kind of food. But make yeah. sure and bring at least $100 if you're going to try any of the food because... Pricey? Oh, God, Oh, yes. my gosh. Ridiculous. So pricey. Last time I well, went to the fair, I Where else are you going to get with... alligator fried on yeah. a stick? Breaded and fried on a stick. Come on. I know. You know, the thing about that is, like, alligator rattlesnake and a bunch of other things they always say it tastes like chicken fishy chicken well then i'll just eat chicken nobody nobody ever bites into a piece of chicken and goes this tastes like alligator (laughs) (laughs) that's a really that's why i i doubt that it truly tastes like chicken (laughs) 
<laughs> I've had alligator before, and I didn't think it tasted anything like chicken. Well, it tastes taste like... to me. <laughs> it tastes like just a dense fish, like swordfish or like a big huh. fish. Yeah, you're thinking of frog legs, Pat, because they do taste like chicken. No, somebody told me that alligator mm-hmm. tastes like chicken, too. And I was kind of like, I didn't argue with them because I don't know them that well. And people don't like it when you argue with them. I was like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> They're like, all that all that fish tastes like chicken, you know, like swordfish, alligator. It and I'm like, does not. Nah. Swordfish doesn't taste like chicken. I happen no. to like chicken. Why wouldn't chicken? you say it tastes like fish? I don't like fish. Yeah. So therefore, I would not eat anything that doesn't taste like chicken. And, you know, honestly, I don't think frog legs taste like chicken either. No, they taste like fishy chicken. So they have the same texture as chicken. Same texture, but a different taste. Yeah. Speaking of texture, has anybody tried like the the no meat chicken, the artificial? No, no. That's gross. No, I have not. I'm I'm trying to think. I've had the soups that had a like a chicken noodle soup with made with fake chicken and the texture is just weird. It see, didn't taste bad. But, see, I think but that's where really that's taste it. that's where you run into to issues anytime you try to replicate meat products. Yeah, I don't know because why the, they the texture... try to say it's plant based chicken. Like, why wouldn't you just make I don't know brock like a new thing when they make tater tots out of broccoli? They don't call them tater tots made with plant based material. They call them broccoli tots. Just call them whatever it is. That would require people to actually try new things, and that ain't happening. Yeah. What kind of plants do they use when they're making plant-based chicken? You know, th- soy oh, like green. Soy. I do know <laughs> that, for example, <laughs> some recipes for sushi have used watermelon. For what? As a fish, because if you spice, if you spice it right. Dude, the be, texture be better it's a texture me watermelon thing. sushi that's nasty it's a texture thing because evidently the texture is similar i have had a barbecue flavored um instead of a chicken wing like a cauliflower breaded they're pretty good actually i mean they don't taste like chicken but they're substantial and they taste good i mean they taste like a buffalo sauce because they oh. put them in the but, I mean, if you tried to pass them off as chicken wings or even popcorn chicken or something. They're not that thing. I think people would right away be like, um, no. Replicating to try to make it like something else is kind of pointless. Yeah. It's like, just make it a new thing and say, this is the new thing. We're having this now. We're having this lovely vegetable patty. Vegetable patty just doesn't sound good. Well, it, it's just because your name is Pat that you don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> My sister hates being called Patty. Oh, me too. Ugh. Patsy is even worse. Ooh. See, one of my best friends is called Patty, and I can't picture her as a Pat or a Patricia for that matter. I think it's just what you know people at. Like, I can't picture Pat, our Pat as a Patty, but I can't picture my Patty as a Pat. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm singing a little song. I was going to say, like, give a dog a this has got to go someplace um, like a rap song. Nick, Nick. Patty. My patty ain't no pat, but pat ain't a patty. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was really awful. We should give that to Nick Cannon to rap. Then he'd have to you make. Need, you, need, you need an Irish rap. No, not him. Get the Jamie Fox. With the D's, too. 
Irish rap would sound bizarre. Echo. Is there an Irish rapper? Is there an Irish rapper with an accent? Here's something I found on the web. According to jcarchibald.com, recently, 86 Inc. has come up as an alternative to British drill rap, using his Irish accent instead of putting on a London slash British accent. Well, that was helpful. Thank you, Alexa. Hey, I've got a Bubba Shakespeare Irish rap. I've been a king for a minute, now I love it. I can understand the words on that rap more than I can most rap. <laughs> like Hamilton, I was like, I was very glad that I saw it on TV with subtitles. <laughs> I had some idea what was going on. Of what was actually being said? Yeah. There is so much content in such a short time that for me, I needed just like my ears don't process things that fast. That's because you haven't been listening to audiobooks on two times. Now, I, I, one, 1.25, 1.4 is about as fast as I can, can go. And I'm more of usually a 1.2 or a 1.3. But usually it's 1.5 or 1.75. I know that there are a couple of Three Book Girls podcast listeners who listen to us on 1.5. I can't. Maybe we should talk slowly. I was just going to say, I'm going to talk slow. <laughs> Let's try talking extremely slow. And that way, the person who has us on 1.5 will have to suffer through our voices. We could talk super fast, and then the person at 1.5 would have to turn it down. Are you eating black licorice, Keith? Nope. It looks like black licorice. Protein bar. Oh, we've been yammering on for like f an hour. So did anybody read any books that have protein bars or Irish rappers in them? Irish, no. Irish rappers? Come on, Vonnie. Take one for the team. I know nothing about Irish rappers. Sorry. Can't help you there. Vonnie, how sad are you going to make us with this nonfiction thing? It's World War II. So pretty sad. Are there people walking away? No, war, war, it's a bunch planes? of um, it's a bunch of like um, generals and stuff that are sitting at a table. Well, that's no fun. There aren't even any warplanes or horses. What up? No, but there's a bunch of guys in uniform, even if they're a little on the we elderly side. Bonnie loves her a man. Is there bare chest on the cover? Because <laughs> that one dude might be Winston Churchill. I mean, you know. Might be. Well, they didn't tell me who was on the cover. I don't, I'm just <laughs> guessing. Does he look so. kind of like a bulldog? That's probably Winston Churchill. Uh, yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. Does he look like John Lithgow? I think it's a picture of the trials that the high ups in the Nazi army, when they went to court for their war crimes. Nuremberg. Oh. The Nuremberg trials? Yes. Nuremberg trials. So the book I read this week is more for our 40 to 70 year old man crowd. All three of them. Here's to you, Arthur. It's a uh, nonfiction World War II book called Eight Days in May, The Final Collapse of the Third Reich by Volker Ulrich. And this is just basically what it says it is. It's about the first eight days in May after Hitler commits suicide in the bunker and everything just basically falls to hell. And the war just ultimately comes to a close. 
and uh, Jeremy signs a surrender. Um, this was this was really good. Uh, it talked a lot about things that I haven't read about in my other World War II uh, novels, kind of like um, the Germans, what happened to the Germans after the war was over and after everyone who had gotten kicked out of their country and houses and everything else went back to claim what was theirs. And basically it was almost like they got marched out of the cities and towns and countries by the people that they made march out of the towns and countries. I don't know. I, I kind of feel bad for some of them, but then again, they knew that they were taking the houses that belonged to the, the Czechs and the Poles and everybody else that they kicked out and moved into their houses. So how much empathy do you really give them? And it also talked a lot about Russia's taking of Berlin and how bad the conditions were for the people who lived there, the Germans who lived there. Because basically, if you were German, you were the enemy. It doesn't matter if you were a 12-year-old little girl or a 75-year-old grandma. The Soviets were not kind, and they committed a lot of crimes, a lot of sexual crimes against thousands of women in Berlin. It talked about Anne Frank a little bit and about when the war came to close in, I think it was um, Switzerland. Was she from Switzerland? Netherlands. Netherlands. She was from Netherlands. But it was really interesting. It kind of gave you a look at what happened after the war came to a close and how they treated the German soldiers. They basically, they talked about this one roundup of German soldiers that they had at the end of the war. And they basically put them in their own kind of death camp, except there wasn't even any buildings. They basically walled off a big field and put them all in this field. I'm talking to like 10,000 people in this field and gave them the same calories that they gave the people in the concentration camps and absolutely no, no kind of shelter, no nothing. So they basically slept on the ground. It was interesting for sure. And there was a lot of bits and pieces that were textbooky and a lot of bits and pieces that kind of went over my head a little bit, but I did enjoy hearing about how they identified Hitler's body and about what they went through to identify Hitler's body because they took them to the wrong bodies twice before they finally came up with a, the body that they identified as his. Like the first body was um, somebody who looked like about his size because they burnt his body after he committed suicide. So he was really hard to identify. But whoever it was who was doing the investigation noticed that um, this particular person had patchwork socks. And they're like, okay, oh. there's no way that Hitler would have patched socks. So they, you know, called bullshit and said, take me to the real body. And then, you know, they went to the next one. It was a very interesting read. And I would recommend it to somebody who is very into World War II. If you're just into historical fiction because you want to hear the story of a specific person or like a romance, this definitely would not be your book. 
<laughs> because it is a nonfiction. There's nothing like that in there. It also talks about the Nuremberg trials and how much time and how they found some of the people who fled the country. Uh, they found one of the people in a hut in Africa and took them back for trial. And so, yeah, it was it was interesting. And it seemed like it all happened in a very short period of time because it all happened just in the first couple of weeks in May. The trials and just the crumbling, the downfall of the Nazi party. What amazes me is that he reminds me, Hitler, and how much people like were so drawn in to the lies that he told. It just reminds me of some of the people that we have in politics in our own country. And it's a little scary to tell you the truth because some people just find, they just blindly follow, even though people are spouting off things that are not really true but people believe them. They just want to blindly follow someone. And it's scary. It's scary when you get somebody in politics that's like that. So I guess in a way, I could have saved this for October because this could have been a horror novel. Because <laughs> it's scary. His historical very, very scary. horror. <laughs> historical horror, yeah. They're going to have a new subgenre of uh, horror called historical horror. I bet just there horror. already are. <laughs> And that, again, is called Eight Days in May by Volker Ulrich. Pat, why don't you go next? Okay. So one of our policies here about the books we review is that if you do a book that's part of a series, you can only do the first book. Right. So I have the first book of a series. I am late to the party. This one's been out a while. But I read The Gunslinger, which is the first of Stephen King's Dark Tower series. Even though I am a huge King fan, I've always sort of avoided the Dark Tower books. I just had a weird feeling about them. And now that I've started the series, I still have weird feelings about them. I like Stephen King's writing, and it's well-written, as I feel pretty much all of his things are well-written. The Dark Tower is about a quest. Uh, the character that you follow, and the book is called The Gunslinger, and... The gunslinger's name is Roland, which is borrowed from a 19th century epic quest poem. Child Roland to the Dark Tower came. So you get the Dark Tower, you get Roland. We've borrowed a bunch of stuff from classic literature already. I've never been a big fan of epic poetry, so I've never read the original. But I did have to go to Wikipedia and look it up and at least read the, <laughs> the synopsis of it and say, okay, say, how does this figure I was going to say, here comes that yeah. English degree. So the gunslinger, Roland, is at the beginning of the book crossing a kind of a wasteland following a character known as the Man in Black. This is not the Man in Black from The Princess Bride. And most of the book is simply his trek uh, following this guy from a uh, semi-arid wasteland across a desert, climbing a mountain, going through tunnels so that he's in complete darkness for weeks, it seems like, coming out on the other side and finally catching up with the man in black when they have a talk. That's really what the plot of this book amounts to. One man tracking another one, and at the end, they have a talk. So it's a lot less action, in a sense, than, than your typical Stephen King book. There's all kinds of references to all sorts of legends. There's, there's some Christian stuff. There's probably some, some 
things that we could call Shakespearean. There's, it's a book that drive. It's intended to be legendary. That's that's all I can say. I think he wrote it saying this is going to be the 20th century version of an epic legendary quest. Hmm. I'm not sure if it draw if it drew me in enough to continue through the remaining. There are seven more books in the series, and then another book or two that are related but not necessarily a part of the of the whole series. In fact, a couple of years ago, I read one called The Black House, uh, which is co-authored I read the Black by, House. I read by the Black Stephen House, King yeah. and Peter Straub, mm-hmm. and it stood alone. I mean, there was the Dark Tower was in there. I remember that they ended up being there, but you didn't have to read the other books. So what I'm curious about and what this book has made me think about is the whole experience of series. I know there are people who really avidly follow series and are, you know, on the waiting list and can't wait to hear about the next book in their favorite series. I kind of have a different reaction to series. I want to say, well, first of all, if you have a series, don't make it an open-ended thing that's going to go on forever. I just want to, I want to know what I'm in for at the beginning. It's like this one, eight books, that's a major commitment. One of my true pet peeves in literature is people who write a trilogy and then a few years later go, oh, and here's a fourth book in that one. It never, never works out. It's just, it, it's kind of like, wait, no, you're, you're breaking the terms of our agreement. You promised me a trilogy. <laughs> now you expect me to put in the time and effort to read this fourth book. And even authors that I love, Douglas Adams, I'm sorry, but thanks for all the, so long and thanks for all the fish was not quite up to the other three, the foundation trilogy. And then suddenly there was a fourth one. Mm. No, not yeah. quite up to the, <laughs> no. even the, I think even if Margaret Atwood and, you know, you know, my, I mentioned Margaret Atwood and we all like cross ourselves in genuflect because the woman is the same. Um, If she wrote a fourth book in her Mad Adam trilogy, I would probably read it, but I have to go, Margaret, really? So so, yeah, I'm just curious what, how do people feel about series? Because there are, I'm evidently not a series person. I can only think of one series where I read eight or nine books, and that was the Chronicles of St. Mary's, which are comic time travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were they were pretty fun, but I also haven't kept up. I think there's probably by now at least 10 or 11 of them out, and I haven't gone on because <laughs> it's like, at one is you have to say, look, I'm either going to marry this person or we're going to cut this relationship off. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the commitment. Yeah. If, if and, you love her, I'm, then you better put a ring on it. Damn it. I'm not a, apparently, I am a commitment fearing reader. <laughs> so I'm not sure if I will pursue this series or not. If all of the books are as short, this was a short book. It was only 250 pages, which is exceptionally short for Mr. King. Agree. Mm-hmm. And and I'm, uh, so I'll have to look and see if the other ones are of a similar length. And if I anticipate, say, being stranded on a desert island for any length of time, longer than about six weeks, <laughs> then, then I might have to lay in a stock of the rest of the Dark Tower novels. But I really do prefer 
his more realistic stuff. And Misery remains my favorite of his. The Mr. Mercedes and the other ones oh, that in that series. Yeah. So I think he's at his scariest when he's writing about real people and not mystic slash legendary slash fantasy stuff because real people are scarier than any of that shit. Agree. So that was The Gunslinger, the first novel in the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. And you oh, know, no, man, that clown is pretty freaking scared. And you know what? <laughs> what I find really fascinating is I have never heard a woman say the Dark Tower series is my favorite. It's always guys and they always want to talk about it. And it's like, dude, I'm a Stephen King fan, but I, I think Mr. Keith only got through the first three and he was just like, and I mean, he loves every I mean, he has every book by, and he has those. He just probably won't ever read them. Keith. So the book I read this week is called The Family Compound by Liz Parker. And I want to thank Jennifer over at Over the River Public Relations for sending us this book. I liked it a lot. It is a really interesting story about family dynamics, I guess is the best way to put it. Our story takes place in Stowe, Vermont, and generations back... I'll just call him the grandfather because, I mean, I don't think we ever find out his name, but this grandfather buys 150 acres of land, which is, I mean, a pretty sizable amount of land in Vermont. And he builds two houses on it and he builds the, and uh, he and his kids build two houses. Uh, He has two sons, I think. So each son gets a house and they raise their kids in it. Well, so that generation of the kid of the two kids that have gotten married, the last of that generation, the last father has died. And so between the two families, there are now five children and they're all between, I think, 46 and 29. So we have two families and they are going to inherit this land and because and they call this this whole area the family compound uh and they have grown up there they have they're very close together they're very close the two families so we have two sets of cousins now and they have always known that the land should stay in the family but we have really interesting dynamics. So there's a, there's a set of three siblings and then there's a set of two siblings. And only two out of the five cousins actually have conventional jobs that make money. <laughs> so uh, the oldest daughter, she is a housewife. She just recently got divorced. She's bringing up her son and she lives in the ha- in her house that she grew up in. She has a marketing degree and she hasn't really been doing anything with it. Then uh, there's a, <laughs> one of them is her brother is a yogi guru on like a TikTok kind of thing. He has all these influencees and he constantly has to run away to you know, film videos for all his followers and things. And so he doesn't make a ton of money doing what he does. And then one of the the youngest siblings, she works at a grocery store and she stocks all the produce. So they're not rolling in money, I guess is what I'm trying to say. 
And when they go to have the re- the will read, the will is drawn up in such a way that all five of them have to agree either to sell the land or to stay on the land. And if anyone wants to be bought out, they can only accept $100. And it turns out that this plot of land today is worth $10 million. So they have to come to a decision, all five of them unanimously. And obviously, that is not an easy decision to reach for them. The two that make money, one's a high-powered lawyer, one is, I think, like a stockbroker, and they want to sell because they don't really have ties to the land anymore. And the other three want to keep the land because two of them live in the houses rent-free, which is great. And the problems that arise are that obviously no one wants to take $100 and just walk away from the land. So everything is in limbo because they can't come to a decision, all five of them together. And the whole book is just about, it is told in three different points of view, the points of view of all the, all the females. Um, and it's just interesting because when you hear it told from one point of view, you think obviously this one person is the enemy of the story. But as you hear everyone's points of view, everybody's reasons for wanting to actually stay or go, it's just a really well thought out look at all the dynamics in a family. They're so close, but they all have these really surface relationships where they're so busy thinking about themselves and what they need out of this situation that they don't stop to consider each other and exactly why they have the views that they do. It was a really amazing story. Uh, Liz Parker is just an author that does a really good job of verbalizing things in a way that just makes a whole lot of sense. I have struggled with anxiety for most of my life. And I have, as you guys know, I have read a lot of books. She has this whole page where she tries to explain her anxiety to one of her siblings or her cousin. And it's the most well put description of what anxiety is that I've ever read. Liz Parker is one of those authors where I'm constantly underlining things. Like I underlined the whole passage and sent it to Mr. Keith and pretty much texted him and said, this is the best explanation I've ever seen. She just does such a great job of getting into the minds and the psyches of these women and bringing them all together. They think they're really close, but they have this very surface level relationship. And this whole situation really brings them together and shows just how smart the older generation was to make these kind of stipulations that they put in the will. There are a few romances in it. Sorry, Martha. It's okay. But obviously they're not the end all be all of the book. They're more of a kind of subplot in the background. But it was a really great book. I really enjoyed it. And that, again, was called The Family Compound by Liz Parker. And it gave me anxiety just hearing about this because having been part of some discussions after, just before parents pass away and after they pass away, 
<laughs> no matter what, it if somebody leaves you something, something that gets sprung upon you, yeah. yeah, somebody leaves you something for any reason and they want you to do a certain thing with it, it's going to be a mess. I read a book called Upgrade by Blake Crouch. You might have remembered Dark Matter, which I reviewed on this program a long time ago. I think it was probably within the first couple of years. He writes science fiction in a way that tends to be more like near future science fiction. So it usually has something to do with some sort of technology that could possibly come into play. The book is, I actually liked it better than Dark Matter because it didn't give me as much anxiety. This one I enjoyed a lot more, even though it did have quite a little bit of action in it. He tends to write in a way that feels like an action movie. A lot of it feels like it's written to be adapted, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. But the book itself is about a family legacy of sorts. But in, in this legacy, the family has like a dark cloud hanging over it because of something that the main character's mother did when she was younger. She was a part of a project that did some gene editing on, I don't remember if it was, I think it was, I think it was genetic engineering to some kind of food project. Because what happened was, it was an unintended consequences, consequence of her actions with the genetic meddling that she did that caused millions of people to starve to death. And so that family legacy, now he doesn't go by the same last name anymore because of it. And his daughter doesn't really, they basically don't talk about it. And she supposedly, his mother has died at least he thinks she has, years ago. And so he, she's not even really on his mind anymore. And then he suddenly gets... See, my problem with this book is it's so much like a book that I already read and reviewed on this program called The Change Agent, which was about this guy who gets injected with this whatever, and it changes his DNA. Well, this, the premise is the same with this. He gets injected. Either he ingests it or he gets injected. I don't remember which. Like I said, it's all sort of running together in my head. But his DNA starts to change. And he becomes this upgraded person. This upgraded version of himself. And he finds out, they start to... Another similarity in it is that when, when this starts to happen to him, he gets very feverish and his body is like trying to kick out the invaders, just like in that other book I was talking about. And they're very similar up to a certain point. So I, I kind of was wondering if that's where he got the idea. But anyway, he finds out that his sister has also received this same thing. And it basically is allowing them to become a better part, a better version of themselves, better, stronger, faster, more. His sister is actually a soldier. And they're not close. But of course, this brings them together because they find out that their mother's plan is much bigger than just them. It turns out that the plan is to 
upgrade the entire human race. And of course, it's a dastardly plot and whatnot. And you go through all the bells and whistles and the chases and all the action hero type scenes, which normally I wouldn't like. But I really did actually enjoy the book because it had some good sciencey bits in it. Some of the things that they went through and some of the plot points were really kind of fun. Now, I wouldn't categorize it as the best book I've ever read. I gave it four stars because I enjoyed reading it and I wanted to read it very quickly because it was engaging. So as mainstream fiction goes, this one was pretty good. It's beach read type material, really, or a night at the movies. So if you liked Blake Crouch's other books, you're probably going to like this, although some people who read it didn't like it as much as his others. And that was called Upgrade by Blake Crouch. And yes, I realize I didn't do a very good job of explaining what the fuck it was about, but there you go. I got it. You know what I wish? I wish we could share some of the smutty bullshit we pass back and forth on Messenger all week. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just too dirty to put on. Maybe we should like share some of the memes with our Patreon members. Of course, no, Facebook would kick us off. Yeah, we'd they go would. to Facebook jail for that. <laughs> we would go to jail. <laughs> go go directly to jail. Do not pass. Where go. do you think I found it? Oh. <laughs> I well, have a smutty stuff- Facebook group that sends me all of these. Well, weird, Patreon is memes. a private group. We might be able to get away with sharing it on there. <laughs> What did you say? You should see when you're stoned. I said it could just be that I'm always stoned. Not stoned, self-medicated. Self-medicated. That's decreasing cognitive function due to... Oh, my God. Exterior... Martha uh, became a science nerd. At least you're doing it in your own home and not smoking a doobie going down Northwest Expressway and not knowing that a light turned fucking green. I don't want to go any of those places that you mentioned. (laughs) <laughs> that sounds like a lot of people on an expressway like holy crap yeah it's a lot of people that's the that's the road that runs right in front of the radio station it's not mm-hmm. that okay no, no there's that road a lot is of people. terrifying there's a lot of people on that road that road is terrifying where yeah, do dude. you Oklahoma live in the middle of huge. fucking nowhere keith come on yeah oh dude you should see you should see our traffic we have this one main drag and when traffic hits it means it takes you five minutes to get through the lights. Yeah, Pat can tell it's you awesome. about that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Casper traffic is pretty laid back in comparison. Pretty laid back, yeah. yeah. You're pretty much 10 minutes from anywhere in Casper. Of course, yes. Casper's, and Casper's the big city out here. It is. You go up in your neck of the woods and traffic jam means somebody's herding their sheep across the road. Exactly right. <laughs> Driving their uh Driving their combine, their combine combine to through the uh, or the main street, or it's summer and there's road construction. We have horse and buggies sometimes, and it slows everybody down. Yeah. Well, listen. Okay, so I'm I'm babysitting my grand puppies, and Ryder likes to get up in the middle of the night about two ish because he has to go to the bathroom. They play hard before we go to bed and then they drink a bunch of water and then they have to pee in the middle of the night. So Ryder wakes me up at two and then Echo wakes me up at four, which Echo wakes me up at four almost every day. But usually I don't have another one waking me up at two. 
And then I woke up myself to go to the bathroom at midnight. So I basically woke up every two, two and a half hours last night. Meanwhile, I won't get up to see my kid get on the bus for school. <laughs> I'm like, bye. You do that your own tomorrow. I'm going to sleep. And when you get up at two o'clock in the morning to let the dogs out and you're not fully awake, you know what happens? Your fucking house alarm goes off. <laughs> and oh, then you're really awake. <laughs> I set my house alarm off trying to let the dogs out. And I'm so stupid. I looked at it and I'm like, Oh, I don't think that's on. I must not have turned it on when I got up last time. No, it was on. I love that they're all like, you're talking about us. Here we are. <laughs> that's because you said you said his name and he knows his name. Mm-hmm. Ryder, you know your name. I'm really glad that my cats <laughs> pee on their own in my house. Pee in a cat box. I'm well, really glad I have a I cat don't, living room. I'm but really yeah. glad I don't have to worry about pets in my house. Because then I don't have to do any of those things. Yeah, I don't want to wake up ever. My, my day started actually waking up to take the dog out is a better thing. Well, my dog woke me up at about three this morning and I thought he wanted to go out. But we got as far as halfway down the stairs and he was like, no, I'm scared. I'm not going any further. So we oh. went back to bed. <laughs> but then this later in the morning, oh, like somewhere around eight or nine, I kind of thought I heard him whine. I was like, oh, can you wait a minute? And the next thing I knew, I just heard the sound of peeing. Oh, no. He's diabetic anyway, so they drink a lot of water and they pee a lot. It was like an hour cleanup. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, I'd I'd much rather insist, have him insist, yes, get up, take me out. It's like, really, I would sooner do that than have to clean up huge accidents. Definitely, because your dog, you have a big dog. I have a right. lab. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you uh, thought about puppy depends? <laughs> I, I have. Uh, I did this morning. I'm thinking we may have to. He's getting he's getting real old. He's almost blind. Yeah. yeah. So. <sighs> yeah. It's the not fun part of pets. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Mine's getting old, too. She's on. Yeah. She's in a cone at the moment. Oh, she had to, ha- she had to have a growth taken off of her eye and another taken off of her leg but she is a crafty little bitch and she was able to scratch open her stitches without ever (gasps) taking off the cone so Uh, she has a big old slit in the side of her eye and the vet's like well she's just gonna scratch it out again just put some salve on that thing just slap some salve on it she'll be fine (laughs) Rub some dirt in that. She'll be all right. <laughs> some dirt. Rub some dirt in it. So that's. Rub some dirt. So she's still in Windex. the cone. Yep. She's still in the cone. <laughs> right. She's still got a weird eye. Let and... her chew on a frog so she can self-medicate herself. A yeah, toad. That toad. Her summer <laughs> toad licking. Toad. Her summer toad licking has been greatly curtailed. She can't, she can't get at it with that cone on. She can't catch him. toads? Oh, she eats them. Oh, my gosh. Yes. There was one time I was watching, I was watching Chloe one time when you went on vacation and uh, she caught and ate a toad. And I swear to God, she was so freaking stoned. I was looking at her and I swear she was looking at me like, dude, you got Doritos because (laughs) (laughs) she She was just all glassy. She's glassy and she drools. You see, she's got a big old Fu Manchu mustache. From it was hilarious. <laughs> and I asked the vet. I said, "So, 
normal for dogs to eat toads? He goes, toads are toxic for dogs. I said, well, nobody told her that because she'll, she'll eat several in a day if you allow it. Yeah, she's self-medicating. She defies, like, yeah. she medical defies technology. any logic at all. She out, she's, you know how they say that grapes are toxic for dogs? We have grapevines along our fence. And when she doesn't feel like you fed her enough, she goes out and picks some grapes and has a snack. <laughs> She's crazy. She likes to bury the toes and have her some toad jerky. She does. That's that's actually how she does it. She'll she'll lick the good stuff off. <laughs> kill them and then bury them. And then a few days later, after they're nice and crunchy, she'll dig them up and then eat them. So she's usually got, you know, a stash of several different stages of toad decomposition going in the backyard. (laughs) (laughs) She's like a squirrel storing her toads for the winter. Yep. Listen, just because it's the ground is frozen doesn't mean that her toad licking should stop. That's right. (laughs) She's set up. She's saving it all up. Now, she's starting to get a little senile, so she can't find where she put them. That's what we should do for a Patreon episode. We could each talk about an animal book and then like put up still pictures of us with our pets. Their pets. About her llama books. <laughs> I would really, it would, I think you guys might have to do that one without me. <laughs> Surely you can find something about some kind of animal. I mean, it doesn't have to be a, a nonfiction book. You can pick an animal from space. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't horror, read a dog fiction book, book about some creature. Mm, yeah, you read true. the octopus book. I that mean, was a cool book yeah. too. True. We'll see. Okay, I'll I'll see? consider that. I'll I'll think about it. I'll try to. Figure it could out. happen. It could happen. I would really like to have an octopus friend. I think that would be awesome. Octopuses are cool. They octopi. are. Octopi. Octopi are cool. Food is always a good way to end. We end that way every goddamn week. No, sometimes what, we food? end talking about blowjobs. True. That's kind of like food. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Great protein. Where's Megan when we need her? <laughs> nice, nice little savory. I love those gagging end. sounds in the background when we talk about blowjobs. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm sorry. That was my audio book. Continue. Of course, that that pickle pizza looks like uh, <laughs> it, somebody had a happy ending. Seriously. <laughs> oh my god, that's disgusting. <laughs> hey, I think you would have to. Looking at the menu of a lot of state fairs, you would have to be exceedingly stoned to even come up with the ideas for the shit that's on that list. Oh yeah. yeah. But usually that's the best stuff is the stuff that stoners come up with to I, eat. I, I mean, you know, look what? at S&B Burger. Whoever thought to put peanut butter on sweet potato fries and serve them. True. It's Gross. delicious. Gross. True. It's delicious. True. And I do have to kind of admit that the chocolate covered bacon, the sweet chocolate, chocolate covered, covered bacon, bacon awesome. was mm-hmm. delicious. It was pretty good. So there are definitely some things that the state fair does, but come on, deep fried butter sticks. That's just yeah. wrong. Paula I Dean's mean, mad at you. <laughs> the butter just kind of like disintegrates into the, into the shell, doesn't it? Or are you biting into some like really hot butter? Cause I'm thinking that that would just burn your tongue. 
Yeah, I the think deep, it's more that you're the, eating the um, batter. Is that on the list? Deep fried butter sticks? No, but they no, have but it. They've there. had it. it they, have they, have it. Ha- they usually have it. So it's like a staple now, of the state fair. The Ew. deep fried macaroni balls look pretty freaking tasty. That sounds good. Now, macaroni is yeah. fine. Why, why would you want to ruin a perfectly good macaroni and cheese ball by deep frying it? I don't understand why you'd ruin because anything it's by delicious. deep frying it. Agree, Keith. I agree. No, what I don't understand is why they would ruin perfectly good saltwater taffy by dehydrating it. Freeze drying it. Yeah, that's weird. That then it just kind of turns into a now and later. I mean, what the hell? Well, they figured Dippin' Dots did so well. Now they're gonna now they're gonna freeze dry everything. Just I, I agree. It, it's 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 a strange trend that I think should be stopped in its tracks. But you know what they do have. Fried pies are delicious. Mm. You don't like fried pies? Oh my God, what's wrong with now, you? Now, I don't like Oklahoma I, fried pies because Oklahoma like fried pies are like, more like bread with stuff in it. It's not like real pie crust. Anything now, where you can like take a paper towel and sop up a big vat of grease is just not yeah. a thing that I'm real into eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody was more excited than me when they came out with air fryers because. I just don't want all my stuff sitting in grease for a long time. Air fryers are awesome. I've only had my air fryer for a year and I've just about wore it out. We've worn out too. (laughs) My son, that's all he uses. It's just so easy. You just throw your shit in there, turn it on and that's it. Yeah. Maybe shake it halfway through. Doesn't come out soggy like it does in the microwave if you're reheating something. And you don't have to heat up the whole house to cook dinner in summertime. And it doesn't smell. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you're cooking, but what I'm cooking usually smells. Doesn't smell burnt. I mean, it doesn't smell like oil. Like, like, like oil. oil. Have you yeah. ever deep fried anything? And then your house smells like oil for a day. Yeah. Not even that. Then you get like the oil sticky all over everything. And in your, that, uh, yes. And then you've got that. That shit up off of your, especially your like oven, like the lid. Yeah. What is that? Okay, the you're backslash. freaking me out. Now, hood. because I know how sticky mine is in there, and it's making me want to go clean it. So we've yeah. got to rather than clean mine, I just move. This is madness. We have to <laughs> stop <laughs> this. You're making me want to clean, and that's gonna do it for three book girls. Can't get enough of three book girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.